Ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast worldwide. This is Schalke America and I am your host, Richard Carmen. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. Joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. Happy Victory Saturday once again, Jack. Yeah, two in a row, three wins in our last four. Nice little streak that we're on here. And as we've mentioned on a couple of the previous podcasts, that's that's really important because our schedule is about to get uh, pretty hairy the next yeah. four, to, four to six matches. Um, so it's great that we're we're picking up some points that we, we probably should be uh, now to kind of set us up for what could be a, a lean period potentially or more lean than we'd like to in the next few match days. It certainly will, and it, it gets starts next week with Leverkusen, and we'll, we'll get to them a little bit after. But, um, yeah, this game, we knew it was going to be a tricky one. Yeah, Union Berlin are, are new, the new boys in the league. Uh, but we've seen the results that they they pulled against some of their opponents this year. They've, I mean, they've beaten Dortmund. They've beaten Freiburg. Um, they got they beat Gladbach last week. So we knew that they're, this is going to be a tricky encounter. Yes, on the road they're not as good, but uh, we knew we had our, ourselves in for a – uh, a rough one in this one, Jack. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at some of the other teams around us in the top region of the table, and several of them have already fallen victim to Union Berlin at this point in the season. So definitely a team you have to take seriously and uh, having a much better camping than we probably would have anticipated sitting around mid-table uh, through 13 match days, which is uh, – I'm sure they're pretty pleased with that. Uh, absolutely 100% uh, they're they're definitely ahead of schedule I think so I know that they they have a goal if they have they, they can reach 20 points by the Christmas break then they're in they're definitely ahead of schedule so they're they're just you know just behind that at four uh, at 16 points so but before we get into that match uh, I want to talk about an old friend of ours Marcus Weinziel poking his head in our business once again uh, this article comes from the Bavarian Football Works uh, the t- title of the article is Marcus Weinziel reveals Schalke pass on Serge Gnabry to replace Leroy Sané Things might have gone very differently for Weinzierl and Schalke had they acquired Ganabri prior to the 2016-2017 season. So I'm going to read this real quick quote uh, that came from um, Marcus Weinzierl. So he says, um, we didn't use the money that we got for Sané well and lost the first five games of the season. In my view, that was a consequence of the transfer policy, and so I obviously wasn't happy about it, particularly because we could have gotten Serge Ganabri, who was already at Schalke for negotiations. So he's trying to stoke the fire here that no he just you know he just got fired not too long ago from Stuttgart and I guess he's just keeping keeping in the in the news at least in, in the Schalke news especially that they're doing well now. Um, and he says he's claiming that Schalke had a very good opportunity at getting Serge Gnabry before he ended up going to uh, to Bayern. Um, let's play. Let's let, let's let's take the bait and uh, how could have Schalke been would. So they're saying that because we didn't get Serge Gnabry because of the policy, we ended up getting Yevon Konoplyanka and, and Briel Mbolo. Okay. Um, and we, in hindsight, we know how those two have panned out. Yeah, they had some good, good, you know, good games here and there. But overall, they were probably uh, not the transfers we had hoped when we initially got them. Um, 
now looking at how Serge Gnabry is playing and how good he is, uh, what do you think the team could have been had they had Gnabry at that time instead of Konoplyanka and, and Briel Ambolo? I mean, I, I think part of it is you have to understand uh, the way that Konoplyanka and Gnabry looked at, at at that period of time, yep. um, where I think Kano's stock was significantly higher back then. Um, maybe I mean, now I'm not I'm not saying it was like equivalent to what Gnabry was, but like there was a period of time where people were concerned about what his career was actually going to look like because he was this hyped prospect who seemed to kind of be bouncing around a little bit um, and having trouble really forging the career, at least the consistency that a lot of people expected. Um, so, I mean, yeah, do I think that that was maybe a bad move to not pursue him? Yeah. Uh, do I think it looks a lot worse right now as we sit in, you know, the fall of 2019 as opposed to when that was going down? I mean, yeah, I, th- I think so. I think some of that's kind of hindsight in the way it's getting colored given his recent um, success. But, yeah, that would have been a massive signing if we had been able to acquire his services. The, the Mbolo thing was one – I mean, that was a signing that I was very much in favor of, of at the time. And – had a lot of belief in him and I, I still, I still wonder how much of that was just the injuries that he suffered um, and having difficulty right. really ever getting anything going and getting up ahead of steam. Cause it seemed like every time he was about to turn the corner, he suffered another setback. Uh, you know, I, I still, I still like him as a player and hope that he does well. and think he will. I think kind of Planko, however, just, we we kind of saw what, what he was capable of at a peak level. It, you know, it probably wasn't good enough for what we were trying to do. Yeah. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? I mean, if you look at it now, yeah, Serge Gnabry is a is a very good player, and you know we would definitely like to have his services, um, especially after you know replacing Leroy Sané after all the stuff he did with us. So, but at the time, you know, looking back, like you said, you know, Serge Gnabry it was still this unknown, really. Um, Konoplyanka was making a name for himself both in the Ukrainian national team and also wherever he played with. He seemed to be that little spark plug that we had hoped that we would like. You know, possibly an X factor. Um, he kind of had that flashes of that with us. Um, but I, at the time, I loved the signing of Konoplyanka. Um, I, I, I've been watching his career up you know, well before he joined Salka, and I was, you know, I was, I was hoping one day we'd sign him. We did. And Briel Mbolo is another player. He's kind of like one of those FIFA players, right? Where you see them when they're when he's at Basel, and you're like, oh, this guy's gonna be a beast. Uh, you know, you do career mode with him, and you know, four years down the road, he's at 90 or whatever. So you're like, okay, you watch his games at Basel, and he was doing really well there. And so you're like, okay, like you, I'm like. Hey, I'm jonesing for this, uh, this signing here. You know, him and Konoplyanka, the potential is there that they could do some really good things at Schalke. Yeah, you know, the injuries probably hurt him a lot. And, you know, different managers uh, coming in and out probably didn't help Konoplyanka as well. So, um, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, And not looking at it now, yeah, Konabri would have been the better better bet. But at the time, you know, you know, you had Mbolo who had all this potential and Konoplyanko who was a, kind of a known commodity at the time. So um, I thought at the time those were good moves by Schalke. Um, and so I, I, I think the main takeaway is that uh, Vines is just bitter. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the absence of Serge Gnabry is not the reason we started 0 5 that season. No, no. And I'm not suggesting that Vines was necessarily trying to go down that road, but um, I don't know, talking about the transfer policy in conjunction with the. Uh, Mm-hmm. the poor start is maybe a little bit suspect. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But uh, what are you going to do? Although I do agree with that sentiment in general. You and you and I have been very, very critical of our transfer policy on this podcast over the years. Yeah, we are as you know, we are one of the top 20 richest country, uh, countries. Uh, we're basically Shock a nation. Shock a nation. Uh, we're one of the biggest clubs in the world, yet we don't spend like it. Uh, we, 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 we play or we our policy is more like a selling club, and, and that's unfortunate. 
for us as fans because you know we we know that all this money is there and they're not spending it the way we think it should be spent. Obviously, we're not sitting in their seats, so we don't know exactly where the money should, or how they're spending it. But in our eyes, we see that you know we make all this money and then we don't spend it really on players and, or anything like that. So, yeah, um, I mean, I think I think there's a serious lack of investment in the podcast department. Um, yeah, Shalka. for sure. Yeah, for sure. We're both definitely. in the basement right now with no lights on, you know. So, uh, I <laughs> well, I'll run down on the tonight or today's show or tonight's show. Really, um, we're going to talk uh, obviously Schalke Union Berlin from Friday. Uh, look ahead to Schalke Leverkusen as well next week. Um, so let's get into the the nitty gritty from Friday night. A rare Friday night occasion for uh, for Schalke. Uh, they would be hosting at Delton's Arena. Um, I mentioned the referee, Daniel Schlager, and the VAR referee, Dennis Eitiken, uh, because they will be brought up in this game. Um, but the game overall, um, obviously a, a very good result for us, uh, 2-1 victories. Um, really, the guy who we've been talking a lot more and more about the last couple of weeks, Benito Rahman, in the 22nd minute, uh, unleashes a howitzer, top corner, top shelf, a great, great goal from a striker jack. Um, the play leading up to it was, was wonderful too, because there's a lot of buildup going down the left-hand side between McKenney and, and, um, and Bastian Ochipka constantly feeding the ball into the box. And finally, uh, one of the crosses from Ochipka gets, uh, Ozan Kabakis on top of it and heads it intentionally in, in the direction of Benito Raman, who, uh, finishes it off. Uh, what a great play. Uh, what a great goal by Schalke. Yeah, some good delivery from Ochipka in this, in this game. And, uh, I don't know if that was intentional or not to kick that back out. To uh, Raman, it almost looked like it might have been an intentional clearance by Kabak. I'm not sure, like in, in that direction, right? Because um, if you watch the replay, it sort of looks like he's looking in that direction. It looks like it looks intentional. Like, I mean, if he was trying to score that with his head, then it's an awful <laughs> header because it doesn't look like he is. Um, so if he if he actually did see Raman in space and, and fed that to him, then then props to him. And then, I mean, what can you say? It's uh, it, it's a fantastic strike, probably a contender for goal of the year at this point. Um, certainly, you know, probably in the top five, ten. It's, I mean, he just makes fantastic con- uh, contact with it, and it's one of those ones that's hit hard, line drive, but it's always rising, um, and gets just under the bar. Really, nothing uh, the goalkeeper can do on that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, not not a goal that you're going to be expecting him to be able to replicate, but uh, love to see it regardless. And now, you know, two goals in two games from him. And that's, that's promising. He's getting into some, some goal scoring form here. And that's huge. If he can keep that up. I'm going to quote the old uh, NBA jam game and he's heating up. Uh, He did not look like a striker who's been uh, without goals. He looked like full of confidence, not only last week, but this week as well to get low on the ball and just, you know, put a, put a ball through, put the foot through it uh, and score that wonderful goal. Um, He's, I think he's maybe starting to heat up just at the right time. Uh, we still got a month left before the the, the break is over. Uh, maybe that's a, just a good time get him get him hot and get him get some goals under him and then uh, go off to the winter break and, uh, feeling all kinds of confidence. Uh, let's see. But uh, you like to see your striker and in particular Ramon, the new guy, uh, get on get on the board. So um, I was fin- I was ecstatic to see him score that goal. And like you said, it's probably one of the goals of the year for us um, come the end of the season. Uh, let me backtrack real quick for those who didn't, you know, who didn't get to watch the game. The, the lineup in this one uh, for for Schalke: Nubel in goal, back four, same back four as it had been the last couple of weeks. Kenny Kabak, Nastasic, Ochipka. Midfield's been pretty much the same: McKenny, Mascarell, Kalajiri, Harit, and Serdar, all led by Raman. And then for the uh, Union Berlin side, Gekevich uh, in, in goal. He's a really good goalkeeper. Uh, they had a back back three of Friedrich, uh, Schlotterbach, and Subotic. 
midfield of Trimmel, Andrich, uh, who we'll get to in a minute, uh, Gentner and Lentz, and up top, Ingvertsen, Butler, and Anderson. So I, I kind of alluded to Andrich. Um, he, uh, he, be, he would come front and center in the 35th, 36th minute. Um, really a good spell by Union Berlin where they Schalke gave them far too much of the ball. Uh, they started gaining confidence and passing really well, I thought, and in our end. Uh, we were looking, we were just giving away too much space, and they, they grew confidence from that. Eventually, the ball would get into the box to Andrich, who made a cut into, I guess, his left-hand side. Uh, when you're watching a live play, you see Nasasage's legs go out and take out Andrich. Uh, penalty's called. People are complaining. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's a penalty. And then you watch a replay, Jack, and at least to me, uh, it appears that uh, Nasasage does not touch uh, Andres and Andres just fell over, kind of like you know, just simulated play, and and VAR seemed to agree that it was a penalty. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, once again, I, I don't understand what role VAR is playing or not. Um, when you watch that replay, it is pretty clear that he's going down well before any contact is made. There probably is some contact on the back end, but it is not contact that causes him to go down. Right. Um, I, I know there's been times where you sometimes, you know, you call a foul without there being any contact because the player's just trying to get out of the way of what would be like a dangerous challenge or something like that. And so you can call a foul anyway. Um, I, I don't think you can do that in this kind of a situation. It, it, to me, it's a clear dive. Um I mean, just never, never a penalty. And the fact that it was given so Quickly. authoritatively, yeah. And, the, and then the fact that, I don't know if there was a conversation with VAR or not, but the fact they didn't even tell him to go look at it or that they seemed to think that it was okay as well um, is is just, it's, I don't understand it. I, I cannot understand it. It's it's a horrible decision. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's like a minute or two that goes by when they're, when they're kind of like thinking about it and kind of, you know, reviewing it or whatever. It seemed like they gave it and then pretty quickly he stepped up and took it. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of hesitation there, so uh, yeah, it's 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 unfortunate and kind of our our, our luck with these decisions uh, so far this season kind of continues to be to be poor. Of course, we've had a couple go our way, but you know, going back to the Bayern match where there was two clear penalties on them and that weren't called and that kind of thing. Yeah. The, the Dortmund game, um, you know, this seems to kind of be a trend this season, unfortunately. So uh, yeah, definitely an undeserved goal from them, in my opinion. I agree, uh, and even the announcers were, you know, adamantly saying that's a, that's a dive, no penalty there, it's a soft penalty. Uh, it didn't. It, I agree with you. It didn't look like they, if they had a conversation, it was really quick. Um, but they definitely didn't give the referee should have gone to the. You know, I think anytime it's in the box and it's a scoring opportunity, they need to go look at it, uh, put some eyes on it. it. Doesn't mean they're always going to get it right, but at least put their at least make the the have the opportunity to go look and maybe we, change one. Do we know who VAR was for that? Yeah, it was uh, uh, Denise Eitken. What do I always tell you? I have said on this podcast, I'm on the record saying he's my least favorite referee, mm-hmm. recent official in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. Now, I did not know that at the time that he was the he was the VAR official. That that just makes it so much worse. I oh my god, I yeah. despise him. Yeah, Manuel uh, Grefa, fine in my book. Yep, and there's there's a I number agree. of them that are, that are okay, but. Dennis again, man, just stick to your, you know, EDM DJing or whatever you do and <laughs> stay away from Schalke games if you please. Oh, yes, yes, uh, 100%. Um, unfortunately, the penalty would be uh, would be uh, awarded and um, Ian Vargasen would step up. He would score. Nubel guessed right, but it was just too powerful, too, too well placed. Uh, and it was in 1-1. 
kind of not what I want wanted to see. Uh, you, you don't want to give a team, a low low end of the table team, uh, an opportunity in games. And when it was factors one one, I was like, oh crap, here we go. It's gonna be another one of those tough games. And it was a tough game all the way long. Uh, went to halftime one one. Um, still, we had you know a bunch of the possession and stuff like that. But it's again the final third is what what's killing us and. We had lots of opportunities, but it was just the finishing was not there again, Jack. And it's like a broken record. We talk about this every podcast, and you know they do so well throughout the first two thirds of the of the, of the pitch. When you get down to the final third and to, to opportunities to score or shoot, they're not taking their opportunities well, um, unfortunately. And it's uh, one of these games is going to come back and cost us. Yeah, um, it it wasn't the best half from us. I felt uh, you know despite taking that early lead, I thought that was somewhat. Not against the run of play, but you know it was it was a didn't necessarily come from like phenomenal build up or anything. It just it happened to be like a long volley off the cross, um, which I mean still give credit to you know Chip could be able to get in those areas and play those balls. But uh, I think on the whole, uh, you know the opportunities that Union Berlin created in the first half were significantly better than those that we created uh, in the first half. So yeah. I, I mean yeah, penalty aside, I think that scoreline was probably somewhat fair. Um, at the halftime whistle. Um, the interesting thing to me was just going back to the lineup for a minute. When I, when I saw the lineups get released, I was actually concerned for a minute that maybe it was going to be uh, Weston McKenney partnered up with Ramon and a four four two diamond because we had been going that, yeah, yeah. going with that so frequently recently. Um, and you also had you know Calajuri uh, and Serdar and Harit and Mascarell on the pitch at the same time. Ended up being a four two three one with uh, McKenney and, and Mascarell playing alongside each other. Uh, in the deep midfield with Ramon up top by himself, um, which was, you know, that's, that's what we were doing early in the season. Right. Um, yeah. The first couple matches uh, until we kind of switched to that diamond. So interesting to see us revert back to there as well. Um, but just, you know, just an interesting talking point. Do you think uh, they reverted back to that because the goal that Ramon scored last week and maybe he, maybe Wagner thought that Ramon's confidence is coming back, that they could try to go back to that and let him be alone up top? I'm not. I'm not sure entirely, uh, you know, wh- obviously what was going through his head with, with picking that. Uh, part of me wonders, and this is just pure speculation, if maybe Wagner feels like his best options at the moment are some of his midfield players. So playing in that yeah. system is going to maximize the number of midfield players you can have on the pitch as opposed to, like, putting Mark Ood up top and having him drop back and try to be a midfielder when you could just have a midfielder anyway. Like, I mean, I, I know that, I know there's some people out there that don't rate McKenny, but, um, I think, the, I think the ability to have Serdar and McKenny and Mascarell on the pitch, um, is, is, is good. And not that you can't do that in the diamond, but then, you know, if you're, if you are going to do that in the diamond, then one of either Caligari or Harid is probably going to have to be sacrificed. And, you know, Caligari's set piece delivery, at least from free kicks, not from corner kicks, is is pretty valuable. Um, and he's been playing much better recently than he had the first couple matches of the season. So I think, I, I mean, at least in my opinion, when I look at the team sheet, there are more players in the midfield that I would rather not drop than players that we've rotated in through the attack. Like, I, I'm fine with Bergshaw not playing. I'm fine with, um, you know, Mark Hoot not playing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not... I'm not anti Robbie Matondo or, you know, Katuchu or somebody like that. But um, there's some good midfield talent. And I, I don't think it's a bad idea to try to incorporate as much of that as possible. Yeah. And, you know, what, what you say is like 100% true because 
And when I look at the midfield, you got to have Serdar out there. You got to have Harit. You got to have McKinney. Uh, Kalajiri, the way he's been playing the last couple of weeks, you got to have him in there. He's actually back in form, it seems, uh, with his hard work and his and his offensive flair. Uh, and then Mascarell, you know, uh, you know, we we kind of talked about this game. He wasn't that great in this game, but um, for the rest of part of the season, he's been pretty solid for us. So I mean, those are like must-have guys, and so that leaves you limited to what you can do in the, in the top, right? You're gonna play a back four because that's the system Wagner's been playing the whole the whole year thus far. So. It leaves you only one one option up top, and so you might as well go with Ramon over Uth or Berksall or anybody else. That, well, maybe not anybody else, but most most of the players uh, available to him. And so, yeah, I think we're 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 we got good talent in the midfield right now, and you want to get them on the pitch as much as possible. And this formation probably is the best way to go to have all five of those guys out there at the same time, uh, and they're based on their current form. So. Um, I kind of like the I like the tweak. It's it's good to see some flexibility with Wagner that he's not married to one one system or another, and um, it keeps other teams guessing as well, right? If they start getting used to the you know four four two, then he goes to the four two three one or vice versa, or you know me- meshes up with his uh, with against his opponents any way he sees that's best for the team. So I liked it uh, overall, um, but yeah, uh, good stuff there. Um, you know, the one thing I would say is, you know, before we get to the substitutions, uh, Harit, he started slowly coming more and more into the game. He had a couple opportunities late. Um, there was an opportunity where I want to say maybe it was McKinney or I can't remember who it was, fed him a long pass, but Gankiewicz came out and, and, and stopped the play there. And then a little bit later, I think it was the 73rd we talked about pre-pod, uh, where McKenney fed uh, a nice cross pass, nice through pass to Harit. Harit had a, a shot on, but it was saved by the goalkeeper from Union Berlin. Um, Harit was starting to get his nose in there. McKenney had some had some good spells, especially in that second half. Good plays. What would you make of Harit and and, and company uh, as a, as a game wore on? Yeah, definitely a much better second half from Schalke uh, than the first, in my opinion. Um, created some better chances. Uh, I mean, the play you just referenced in particular, I thought it, McKinney did a really nice job on that play. Um, made a nice run, drew a couple of defenders into him, and then was able to play a through ball into Harit. And honestly, it's just it's just honestly a great heads-up play by the keeper, anticipating it and, and running out to challenge it. Um, Harit didn't ultimately have any time to like take a touch. He, he just kind of had to fire it first time and uh, didn't have much of an angle. I mean, maybe he could have tried to chip it over the keeper or something, but it, it's a really, it's a bang, bang play. It's, it's asking a lot of him to do much better than I think he did in that situation, but um, nice play from both for sure. And then the moment uh, you and I were waiting for, and, and many of Schalke Nation, uh, Free Katucci movement uh, had some legs there. 84th minute. Our 84th, first, 84th First minute. substitution. First substitution. The only, Yeah, the first substitution of the game. 84th minute. Oh. And <laughs> here's, a, here's a fun stat for you, just in case you're wondering. Yeah. Uh, Schalke rank 14th in the league in substitutions made, <laughs> which should be surprising to nobody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're close to the bottom of the table in the number of uh, substitutions and the fact, once again, that you just get some fresh legs on there. Like I said, just I mean, it's it's just frustrating when we we play kind of the high intensity style that we play sometimes, and he just doesn't try to revitalize the squad as as the match goes on. Um, yeah, I mean, eighty fourth minute for Katucci is a little bit too long. Once again, it's hard to, it's hard for him to get involved in the game when he only he has to he has to jump in and just kind of get into it right away otherwise you know the final whistle is going to blow and it's going to pass him by yeah we had two substitutions in the game uh katuchu in the 84th minute and then in the 90th minute timo becker uh young 82 from a uh, young 22 year old uh from Herten, germany uh defensive back so 
Uh, he came in for Harit on the in the 91st minute. Uh, but overall, yeah, the first substitution, the 84th minute. At least it was Katucci. It was in Bergstaller for once because we needed some legs. We needed to get some goals. And um, wouldn't you know it, Jack? Uh, our man number 15 uh, gets involved in the play in, in the 84th minute. He gets up on a rush. Uh, he has the ball on his feet. He gets a through pass from a defender. He slides it over Harit. Harit feeds it over Serdar, who one times it back of the net. What a beautiful goal. What a beautiful assist. Uh, and a finish by Serdar. 2-1. I jumped out of my seat. I, I think I scared my son. But um, what a play by the, by the team there. I could be completely making this up. I feel like it may have started off of Caligiuri with like an aerial interception or something. Um, yeah, someone did. I couldn't see who it was. Yeah, and then feeding it to Katuchu picks it up kind of near you know, the, the midline um, on, on the right side of the pitch. And he does a nice kind of marauding run forward. Um, and as he, as he's approaching the box, so he's, he's kind of holding it up. And you can see he's trying to wait for you know, to figure out what he should do. He's not rushing it, looking for options. I think he may have had Calajuri overlapping on the right-hand side by that point. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, he picks out Harit at the top of the box, um, who actually is challenged pretty quickly, and somehow Harit is able to, I don't know if he backheeled it or what he did, but kind of acrobatically slides yeah. this over to Serda, who's on the left side. And uh, Serda very smartly takes that first time, as you said. I think maybe if he took a touch, it might have been more difficult for him to to finish that, but he hits a beautiful sort of side foot, opens up tips, you know, curls it around to the back post, around the keeper. Um, really, really nice finish. And, uh, yeah, once again, bailed out late by a midfield player. Not Harit this time, although Harit was heavily involved in it. Gets another <laughs> assist to add to his tally. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to not leave it late, as we have been <laughs> so often. There's been there's been a lot of games where we've had, had some, you know some late game magic, but um, it, it's it's definitely nice to see that we, we keep going and keep trying keep trying to be positive in these results instead of just kind of holding on for the draw and trying to get all three points whenever possible. And it's 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 a really nice piece of play, and obviously we love that Katuchu, uh is is involved in it. Yeah, and then the man that Katuchu replaced was uh, Benito Roman, who had a pretty good game overall. Uh, but yeah, the Katuchu came on with the fresh legs and really going to set up that play. Harit with a slick passing ability there, like you said. I mean, the guy was on him, you know, point really quickly, and he just slid it over however he did it. And Serdar with a cool finish. Um, that's great to see by the youngsters. We left it late. Heart attack and Vine there. Uh, we hate hate to see this, hate these kind of see these late games, like you said, but. Um, at least they get the three points. I was really worried that we weren't going to be able to finish our opportunities. Um, Union did push to try to get the uh, to try to tie the game up. They brought some speedsters in there to maybe try to challenge Kenny at the right back or or even a Chipka. But the the guys held fort. Um, we went two one. Uh, at the time, we were joint top of the table with uh, uh, Uh As the as the weekend went on, Bayern lost. And um, some other favorable results. We uh, we're third place now, um, above Dortmund, above Bayern. When's the last time you could say that? Thirteen weeks into the season. I know it's a little early. It's still way early. Uh, Leipzig's in first, Gladbach's in, in technically in second by a goal differential. But uh, we are we are ahead of Bayern and Dortmund. Uh, Thirteen weeks into the season. That's uh, that's crazy. It's been a while since we could say that. It has, and uh, shout out to our friends at the Neverkusen Pod um, on their victory at yes. the Allianz Arena today. Um, ultimately, holding on despite a red card late—that uh, is a big result for them on the road, and it's actually the result that guarantees that we are going to be in the top four through the end of the weekend, ahead of Bayern and Dortmund. Uh, Gladbach Freiburg is probably the game to watch 
yeah. on uh, Sunday. This will probably be released after that anyway. But uh, even if Freiburg were to uh, win that one, they would slide into third. Uh, we would slide into fourth place. So gonna gonna finish match day thirteen in the Champions League places, and that's awesome. Uh, somebody continuing to punish punish Bayern, and if that continues for long enough, they can keep every once in a while um, stealing three points from them. Who knows? We actually might have a new champion this <laughs> this year for once. I'm not I'm not banking on it. I think probably Vegas money is still on Bayern, but um, another another big time result. Bayern already with uh, you know six of their 13 games they have not won. Wow. So I don't know what their what we know what their win percentage normally is, but you know only seven wins out of 13, which is pretty I think pretty rare for Bayern. Uh, it certainly is. Um, and so, obviously, our, we were in, we, that started off our weekend in good spirits, um, and then, you know, obviously people want to talk about it. So let's get into some of the uh, listener comments and questions. Um, first, we'll go to, uh, first a shout-out to the uh, Schalke Canadian Fan Club, in, uh, obviously in Canada. Uh, we know they listen, listen in to us. Uh, we are Schalke America, but we are a Schalke Nation. So, um, you know, giving a shout-out to them. And we got a question from them, actually, and this comes from Glenn Williams. Uh, he says, yes, my question would be, I like this lineup that faced Union. I hope that this is our starting lineup going forward. What do you guys think? Jack, I'll let you go with that first. I don't dislike it. And like I like I mentioned a little bit ago, I think it gets a lot of our best players on the pitch at the same time. I think Mascarell has had a much improved campaign from, from last year. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I like him for the most part being in the lineup. I, I'm one of the people that, that values what McKinney brings to the table. Um successfully uh successful in 12 of 14 aerial duels in this game by the way just elite in terms of winning those balls and, and creating additional possessions for us um had some nice marauding runs as well some you know decent passing on the day that's some nice long balls that he played forward um but yeah i mean like i think everyone would agree that harit and serdar are in phenomenal form this season yeah and so you got to have those guys on the pitch i also would like to have mckinney and and i'm fine with mascarell being on the pitch so yeah this is a lineup that as i said it kind of allows all of those guys to be in there um in positions that i think are good for them um optimal for them arguably uh so yeah i'm, I'm fine with it i i think there's a couple things it'll be interesting to see what happens to uh the back line when Stambouli and, and Salif Sané are, are both are both healthy. Uh, I think there's a good chance that Ozan Kabak might maintain his spot. Um, I forget what minute it was. He had an unbelievable defensive play. Uh, I think we we almost got beat in the box, and he came running back and kind of like wrapped his leg around the defender to clear the ball away. I think like nine times out of ten, that's probably a penalty if somebody else attempts it. I don't remember when that was, but um, phenomenal play there. I think he's played really, really well since coming in. Uh, yeah, but I think for the most part, these are these are players that I that I like to see. I'm glad you mentioned the defense there, uh, and and you know Kabak in particular. I thought I think this is a play that he tends to do. I've, I've watched since since he first joined us in, in the preseason. He'll make this run where he'll, he'll catch it from behind and, and swing his leg around and, and get the ball more often than not. And he's always uh, he's, he's it must be his bread and butter there. He's confident that he can do it. and He does it all the time. Um, yeah, you know this lineup. Um, I like this lineup. I do like this lineup. You know, obviously, you know, in an ideal world, you would switch out Caligiuri for Katuchu and mix him in there. But you know, I'm fine with this as a as a as a one A uh, for a lineup because I do I do like the way that the the midfield is playing right now. Roman is is the only striker scoring goals, you know, for the most part. So um, 
you got to have them in there. And, you know, I, like you said, Serdar and Hari are just on fire this season. They're both feeding off each other, especially. They're finding each other all over. So you got to have them in there. And then the, really the back four, I, I like this back four at the moment. You know, Kenny and Ochipka on the wings, uh, they're doing their thing. But I think this, uh, you know, combination of Nastasic with his mustache like me right now and, uh, and Ozan Kabak, uh, they're playing really well at the moment. There's nothing you can say really bad about both of them. Um, I agree with you. Kabak will probably keep his place. You know, um, I don't. I, I can't really see somebody taking his spot at the moment the way he is playing. The interesting thing is going to be Nastasic and, and does Sané take his spot or, or even Stamboli if if he's one of the favorites for, for Wagner. You know, right now, I mean, Sané, Sané was playing pretty decent this year. Stamboli as well. Um, let's see how Nastasic finishes out this... Uh, this uh, this uh, first half of the season, and you know, maybe we can think about it then. But I, he's always I, been solid. I've yeah. never disliked him. I've always thought yeah. he was totally capable defender at a Bundesliga level. Um, so it's nice to have that kind of depth to fall back on. Uh, hopefully, neither of them get hurt in the near future. We have to rely on McKinney or again or something like that. But and we need. We, and we, also we, saw some. Go for it. Go no, I also saw, just saw some video of, of Stambouli working out and everything. So it was nice to see Shaka releasing some videos of him. Uh, hopefully working his way back to fitness. And I saw some comments on, uh, I don't know if it was Facebook or Twitter, but they were saying, oh, we need to make sure we, we keep Kabak. And I, you know, I agree with that in the sense that we need to build defensively around him. If he's going to play like this, is we're starting to see what we what the big hype was about when we got him. Uh, we need to continue to build, build on his potential, uh, build around him and get him all the, you know, the comfortability that he can get because he's only going to get better from here. And, and this is... And, and listen, a threat... Um, in, in both areas yes, of yes. the pitch, you know, uh, some phenomenal defensive plays through his couple, you know, matches that he's had so far. Two goals um, had I, what you could argue was an. I don't. I have to check to see if they credit him with that, but you could argue that his his, his he assisted Raman today on that one. Um, didn't he slot the through ball through for Caligari? Yeah. Um, yes, he did against um, last week uh, as well. So. Um, you know, competent on the ball in a lot of different ways, and yeah, he's he's been very impressive. He definitely has, and uh, so yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do if he hopefully can continue to build and, and get better and better as we can we can go out. So, yeah, I guess the only thing, the only other thing I would say is just that uh, if you look at sort of the available player pool, who are the people that aren't in that lineup in that starting team sheet that you would be like totally fine with getting included? To me, it's only like Sane, Stambouli. Katuchu and Matondo. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean those, Schubert, those much... depending on what happens with Nubel, Schubert, obviously. But Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm curious about Johan Miranda. What the heck is this guy? You know, he's a $250 million <laughs> bio clause. But other than that, Sorry, right. Barcelona. Yeah, sorry. Patrick yeah. Claver was pissed so, I mean, off recently. Yeah, so there's not a lot when you look at that team sheet that you would want to work in there. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on to the Schalke Fan Club USA and Facebook uh, we got a comment from a good friend, Joseph Lacrida. He says, Union played well, like always, but we exploited our chances and capitalized. Katucci was freed, and he contributed. Uh, agreed 100%. Uh, we, we capitalized. Uh, we finally capitalized after many missed chances, and uh, we got to see our man Katucci, Jack. We did. Later than we would have liked, <laughs> Six obviously. Minutes ago. I, I keep saying this every week. When he does get cameos, it's it's you know usually ten minutes or less, and I think it'd be nice to give him a little bit more time to kind of work his way into a match, as opposed to saying, "Okay, you're on, make something happen immediately." Um, 
but yeah, uh, that that was that was nice to see. Oh yeah, Union was a good team. I think and we won the we didn't win the XG battle overall, but I think that's because seventy point seven five goals of that came from a bullshit penalty decision. So um, you know, even pretty even on shots in this match, Schalke with the advantage in the possession and everything. But um, I, I think they definitely showed you in this game why they're a competent team and why some other good teams have had have had issues with them this season certainly not an easy match and uh required some some key moments from you know Kabak and Nubel and other people to kind of keep them off the board yes uh, i agree with that um <laughs> i just saw a comment from our friends over the hey eintracht frankfurt podcast uh we tweeted out or i tweeted out uh Schalke above dortmund and Bayern for 13 match days mind blown and they re- responded not accomplished without us taking points off both of them which is a good point uh frankfurt will be difficult when we when we do face them uh, later on this uh this calendar year uh, we got a comment from diggler i assume Dirk diggler maybe i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um, he writes, uh, can't wait for the podcast, and maybe you could mention us, Shaka fans in Canada. We already gave you a shout-out, but uh, here's another shout-out to Shaka Fan Club in Canada. You know, Thank you guys again for listening to the show. We love it. Um, here we go. Let's see which comment I want to read first. Okay, I'll read this one first before we get to the, the juicy one that we both want to talk about. Um, this comes from our friend Eddie. He says, Shock America, am I the only one concerned that it seems like Shaka still has problems converting in the final third and closing out teams who are lower on the table? Also concerned about Wagner's timing for subs, i.e. free Katucho in the 80th, 84th minute. Um, no, you're not alone because we'd be talking about it all the time, right, Jack? I think this, this individual doesn't listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 90% of the content on this podcast is Rinse David repeat. Wagner. Yeah, David Wagner makes subs and, you know, have competent people in the attacking third. Um, that's pretty funny. No, you're not the only one who feels that way. I think Richard and I would both agree with you wholeheartedly. Now, are we the only three that thinking like this? Maybe. Who knows? But um, we certainly agree with you. We, this is all we talk about. It seems like on the podcast, rinse and repeat, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, the timing of the substitutions are, are not good enough for us, I think. You mentioned it, 14th in the league. We had two substitutions, one in the 84th, one in the 91st, not good enough. Um, and in the 84th, we, we were tied at the time. So, I mean, that's another reason. Um, and then again, you know, converting our chances. We're, we're missing too many opportunities. We've lost some points this year because of the lack of finishing. And we're we, we we lucked out by you know last minute saves by either Harid or in this case Serdar, um, you know bailing us out at the end of the game. So we can't rely on that too often. We need to start blowing some of these teams away, kind of like the Pattermore match. Um, but yeah, uh, now to get to the last comment, the comment we both want to talk about. This comes from our fans, our friends over at Shaka Fans Australia. They write, "Is it time to become Liverpool fans and claim it's our year?" Jack, I'll let you have the floor. I don't know what is meant exactly by our year. Um, I don't know if that means winning a title or, or what exactly that means. I would attempt to pump the brakes on some of the expectations for this team this season. Obviously, like everybody else, I've been very pleased with the job that David Wagner has done uh, so far. Uh, I mean, it, it looks night and day from, from last year. The team is playing very well. Uh, I mean, they really are. Uh, it, it's enjoyable football to watch as well aesthetically. Um, and they're getting results. I mean, here we are, match day 13, and we're talking about Schalke uh, being in the Champions League places, which is where this club wants to be. And there's obviously a lot of stiff competition up there. So that's, I mean, I'm very pleased with that. But I guess the one thing I would say is you just kind of mentioned it a minute ago, too. The number of times that we've had to find a way to get these results late is a little bit concerning. It almost kind of reminds me of the first year under Tedesco where 
some of the performances weren't always that convincing and we just kind of got the results when we needed to. Yeah. And and that's great and it's awesome that we can that we can do that and we have that kind of mentality and the drive to to find those results and kind of keep going until the whistle blows. But it makes you a little bit concerned that maybe the underlying performances aren't as good as they otherwise might be. I mean a late goal against Union Berlin, um, you know, a late goal against Augsburg to get that result, you know, the Mainz game with, with Harit, and I'm sure there's at least one other one that I'm not thinking of maybe where something similar has happened. Um, and uh, also, if you look at the expected points table, which is, I mean, kind of a interesting stat, but uh, Schalke is at 25 points through 13 matches, and Understat has our expected points at 16-something, and huh. I think I think Scout has it at 17 or so. So, Ooh. yeah, I mean, what we're what we're doing in terms of the points we're accruing based on how things might go if you just kind of look at the expected goals or whatever in the individual matches, uh, we're definitely overperforming that. Um, as I've said before, Amin Harit overperforming his XG by a larger margin than any other player in the Bundesliga, at least in the top 10 in the scoring. Um, uh, you know, some of his goals have just been unlikely we'll say that and it's great that he's doing that i mean he's having a phenomenal year he's in form he, he's, he's he's coming up some f- huge plays but th- once again those are the kind of things that you you look at that and you wonder if that's sustainable um over the course of this season like benita ramans was a goal today but it's it's a volley from the edge of the box it's, it's an opportunity that has um you know an, an extremely low xg associated with it. it's like a 0.05 xg opportunity um I, I think what we need to do is we need to find a way to um, get production from our strikers, as we said all year, but from, from higher, uh, higher quality opportunities, um, you know, closer into the box through good buildup and, and breaking teams down with, with passing and that sort of thing. Um, I think if we start to see goals that are scored in that way more reliably, um, that's going to probably improve my confidence in how sustainable some of those goals are. And how sustainable ultimately some of these results are. Um, that's kind of how I feel. I mean, I'm, I'm very optimistic for the season still. I'm very pleased with how things have gone, but I am worried that we are slightly maybe overachieving at the moment, and that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, if we were scoring goals like we did against Paderborn or the first half of the last DFB Pokal match, yeah, then I, then I'd be like, okay, I have a little bit more confidence in that. But you know, talk to me. You know, on May third, Sunday, May third, after we played Eintracht for the second time. And with two games remaining, then I'll let you know if you know if this is our year or not. Um, it's still too early to tell. We've seen this story before many times. Let's let's pop the brakes just a little bit. Um, enjoy the ride. You know we're in third place at the moment, which is which is amazing. Who would have thought we would have said this after last year's campaign? But let's just see how it goes. We got a tough stretch as Jack as Jack mentioned, and let's let's see how they do, especially when we face these teams for a second time. Um, they'll know what Wagner's tendencies are. See how you know how see how we react to that. So. Um, and then do the substitutions start getting better, more you know, more frequent than they are currently. So, uh, still a ways to go. It's a long, long freaking season. Um, Bayern aren't done by any stretch. So uh, let's 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 give it a little a break for now. But uh, enjoy the ride, and and let's see where the team can take us. Uh, hopefully, uh, keeps going up from here. But uh, you know, it's still way way too way too early to talk about that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I agree. <sighs> well, next week we have uh, encounter at Leverkusen, um, and, and this is going to be an interesting game, Jack. You know, since their last loss, which was uh, 
It was against Gladbach uh, November 2nd, so a month ago pretty much. Um, they've been in pretty good form, honestly. Leverkusen, they beat Atletico Madrid. That's not a, that's not an easy game to win. Uh, they beat Wolfsburg. They I, for, drew, I forgot about that one, yeah. Yeah, I did too. I did too. Uh, they drew Freiburg. Freiburg's been playing really well this year. Um, they won against Lokomotiv Moscow. whoop de doo But they beat Bayern uh, this past weekend. So um, they are playing quite well at the moment. Uh, when you look at the tables right now, um, they are sitting currently in seventh place, but they're only three points behind us. And, you know, goal differential, you know, we're, we have five more goals than them, but still, this is this is your Je- Jekyll and Hyde team. And at, at that moment, they're playing really well, very confident and playing well defensively too. So you have to be worried about them, especially when they're when, when they're at home, Jack. Um, they got a lot of superstars on their teams. They got a good players. Kai Havertz leads the way. Uh, I think recently they, they, they valued him at over 130 million euros. So, um they're they're legit on keeping him in. By the way, this is how the policy we should be doing with our superstars is you know putting this high value on them, not giving away for free. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is gonna be a tough game, Jack. Uh, home or away, Leverkusen uh, when they're on, they can be anybody. Yeah, mandatory viewing. I think for Bundesliga fans, that's the top spiel uh, next Saturday, December seventh. That is the day after uh, my holiday party. Hey, so, I, so I'm very pleased to get the late kickoff because I'm going to need that late kickoff. <laughs> In all honesty, probably going to be uh, a late night and uh, maybe a little bit of a headache the following morning. But uh, yeah, Leverkusen. Um, I mean, they're a talented team. We all know that. You look, you look at the roster. They have a lot of good players. Um, Peter Bosch, say what you want about him, but um, very good form recently. And uh, even if it's a team that sometimes doesn't reach the heights that we think maybe they should based on their talent, I mean, it, it's, a, it's definitely, you know, one of the more dangerous teams in the Bundesliga. They currently only sit three points off of us right now. I mean, once again, that, we talk about it every week, but that's how tight this Bundesliga race is at the moment. There's only, you know, six points separating, uh, what, like first and eighth place? Yeah. It's just, I mean, everyone is, is, everyone is right there in the mix, so... Um, yeah, going to be a difficult game, and this is going to be the game that starts that streak that we were talking about of um, a bunch of difficult in- encounters in a row. We have uh, Leverkusen, Frankfurt, Wolfsburg, Freiburg, and then uh, on the other side of the winter break, uh, you know, that schedule repeats, and we have Gladbach and, and Bayern Munich. So six games in a row that are going to be uh, very tough and important to get off on the right foot against Leverkusen. Hopefully we can keep this, this run going, as we said, uh, three wins in our last four, but you know, the, the level of the competition is probably about to step up a little bit. Um, I'm not going to ask you for a prediction, but Schalke is going to win if they do what in, against Leverkusen? Find a way to injure Leon Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> and Kai Havertz, right? Two goals today before going off with an injury. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, no, I mean, I'll have, to, I'll have to give that some thought. Uh, I actually haven't watched a ton of them this season for some reason. I don't know why that is. I should make a point to do that. They're just a team that I haven't ended up kind of casually viewing a bunch of their games. But, um, yeah, they, I mean, they can they can put a hurting on you in, in the goal-scoring department for sure. So I think we need to remain solid at the back, which is something that we've done a pretty good job of doing overall we're, I think we're definitely in around the top five in, in goals conceded maybe not in the top five but close to it so um, you know another strong defensive performance and, and and that should serve us well if we can do that on the road um, I mean a lot of the metrics are between them and us are very similar in terms of kind of where we are so it should be an evenly matched opponent and um, 
yeah, maybe I'll have a better answer for you uh, next week in terms of breaking down what actually happened. Yeah, no, no. It, it'll be interesting to hear what, by the way, I'm not going to be here next week. I'll be uh, uh, on a little mini vacation here. So Jack will be at the helm uh, with a special guest. But, um, uh-oh. 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 Uh, but, yeah, looking at this game, I think, you know, obviously, you know, you know controlling Kai Havertz, uh, you know, Leon Bailey, Amiri, uh, Voland, uh, Diaby, guys like that. They got a lot of talented guys, and being able to contain them is going to be key. Um, they they obviously can do the job defensively because you know Lewandowski coming in, came into this one with four goals in like 14 minutes in Champions League, setting the record there. Uh, a man on fire this year, and they and they stifled him. So they're going to be able to stifle us down. Not that we need any help in that department you know, in the final third, but um, it's going to be a tight game. It's going to be like a two-one type of game, and. Um, uh, controlling the possession is going to be key. Controlling that midfield, I think, and limiting the opportunities of the other highly skilled guys, Bailey, Havertz, Voland, um, that's going to be the key to this game because the more opportunities you give them, the more wide open it is, the more it favors Leverkusen. So uh, we need to keep that keep that off of them and keep the possession in our end and, and keep attacking. I think that's the best way. Uh, offense is our best defense in some cases, and I think it will be in this case against Leverkusen. So um, should be a fun encounter for sure. Uh, anything, uh, anything on leave, leave the fans before we uh, wrap this one up? No, I think, I think that's it. I'm, I'm pleased with, with how things are going for the most part. Um, this is about as, as good, I think as, as any of us could have expected. It certainly exceeds my expectations for us this season so far. So let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Indeed. Um, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you sign up for the Shaka U.S. newsletter. Uh, it comes up to your mail every your your email, I should say, once a month. So uh, make sure you give that a read uh, and sign up for that as soon as possible. Keep tuning in each week as we bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. We want to thank Shaka, Fox Soccer, and Bavarian Football Works for providing us tidbits in our podcast today. That was a mouthful. Uh, if there are any topics you would like us to discuss, send us a tweet at Shock America. We want to give a shout-out to our very good friends at NBC4 Nashville for their continued support. Jack, where can our followers find you on social media? J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. Right on, and I am your host, Ed Richard Carmen. You can find me as well at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoes.